So, welcome back. Uh, it's a brand new year. I know you've all been clamoring for it, but we're here for something special. Uh, it is the 13th episode of Crimson Clouds. <sighs> the crowd goes wild. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, after a very, very long delay, uh, my mom's birthday was pretty recent. This is coming out later than I wanted it to, but I mean, it's the same old song and dance, so we're not going to touch on that. Anyway, uh, happy birthday to my mom. And um, for like since 13, it's kind of like my favorite number. I kind of also wanted to do something. Uh, kind of special for number 13 um, outside of just um, highlighting you know um, some recent anime that I've been watching um, I actually want to instead focus on one of my favorites and um, whenever I feel that someone's favorite is brought up it's uh, everybody has a different definition for it it can be say the end all be all something that um something that you find um you found your formative years and it's just persisted with you or even it's just something that um spoke to you in a way that no other piece of media has and for me um jojo's bizarre adventure um did all of those for me honestly while it's not like the last anime because um well, it's not the only anime I like, or like the last anime I'll ever watch, because uh, whenever you, because um, often I'm pretty sure a lot of us have always heard those people that say, "Oh, I don't have a favorite anything," because uh, more often than not, um, there's the idea that if you have a favorite, it just automatically um, undercuts the idea that anything else can appeal to you, or that um, anything else is as good. But really. Um, but really like the favorite is just you like something a lot you probably think about it more than other things you probably have some sort of deeper connection to it and honestly you don't have to have just one favorite so there's that but um JoJo's again is a series that for some reason despite not really um getting into it until I was um until like maybe two or three years ago it's also a series that I've like been exposed to in a sense for a lot. Um, uh, take for take for instance, um, I was about maybe ten or twelve. Or I was maybe like I believe ten years old or so, and it was some like gaming magazine that was out in the early two thousands before it went under. That wasn't um, Game Informer. I think it was like. Uh, PSM or EGM, one of those, and just flipping through, and then I just see this, um, and I just see this random, like, kind of just insane-looking, like, flamboyant video game. It was, it had shell-shaded graphics, and um, like all the characters had like these really weird, insane poses. And um, turns out it was the, um, and turns out it was the. Um, I think the PS2, it was a PS2 video game adaptation of uh, Vento Arreo, and um, with it also being, I think, an import, there was no way for me to actually get it, so I'm like, oh, this looks cool, but I don't know where to find it, so that was kind of just that, but that was probably my very first, like, knowing exposure to JoJo's, 
even though I still didn't have like any real idea, but just the fact that I kind of saw that like um, kind of helped me kind of realize like what it, what JoJo's was as I like you know got deeper and deeper into anime and such and experienced other things because you, like once you see a JoJo's pose or anything you kind of like notice it all the time. So um, flash forward to a little bit later. And um, I was in college, and this was just one of the random times I was just on YouTube. And I think during a, during this period in time, um, during this period in time, uh, like the promotional um, JoJo's uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure uh, Eyes Under Heaven is being promoted all the way to hell. Like you really could not like get on the PlayStation Store at all without getting some video of that, and it was great. But it was also all in Japanese. So I didn't even think it, I didn't even think it had subtitles. So I did, had no idea what the story was about at all. So, uh, yeah, that was another exposure. I'm like, Oh, this looks fucking ridiculous. I might actually get into this and, um, didn't have any way to actually buy the game. And so, uh, finally, uh, to kind of bring this all, uh, to an end here, um, couple years ago by uh, I ended up encountering um I ended up finding the um the series the 2012 adaptation of Jedi's Adventure on my grandmother's on demand I'm just hanging out over there and um and I ended up watching just a random episode and I had no idea what was going on because like episode six or seven it was when Dio and um it was when Jonathan and all the others uh, finally got to Dio's castle and were able to fight him in Phantom Blood. And so I'm like, oh, this seems cool, but I don't know where to find it. I also did not have a Crunchyroll. Um, another year or so goes by. And here I am watching a video from Super Eye Patch Wolf that is kind of just explaining um, the appeal of it, the history, and kind of each part video by video part by part and that kind of helped me get into it and i finally had a crunchy roll so here i am uh fully caught up seeing every uh anime except the ova and i love it it's one of my favorite um it's definitely one of my favorite um manga and anime series for a number of reasons um uh mostly there is i feel a confidence to it it's about growth it's about experimentation and there's just so many just great things about it and i'm just gonna kind of go over each of those um piece by piece here So before doing that, um, what is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure about? Well, the simple aspect, the simplest way to explain it is that it is the story of the Joestar family as um, each uh, part takes place in different uh, locations with different supporting cast, villains, protagonists, and touches on the various and touches upon the lives of the various Joestar family members as they try to either save the world, save the town, or just try to win some crazy win some crazy race. Um, uh, and that's part, and that's one of my favorite aspects of um, JoJo's is that while it doesn't have a um, through line for its overarching narrative, like how um, 
like how One Piece is about the quest for One Piece, JoJo's instead is about, um, JoJo's instead, it, it has the ability to have different um, stories. It's, it can tell multiple multiple different stories all in one narrative because it has an almost um, anthology-like feel. Um, despite the fact that, um, despite the fact that I say that it does have a connective tissue that that again being in the just our bloodline with it starting all the way from um with it starting all the way fr- um from jonathan and victoria era victoria era in london going all the way to um going all the way to a prison in florida in 2011 the um the uh, timeline the timeline story is constantly shifting because it's also focusing on a different character in different eras. So um, you'll get some overlap here and there between um, between parts, but more often than not, um, but more often than not, the parts all kind of act in um, mild isolation. That doesn't mean you shouldn't check out the other parts because they're all fucking great. Even the um, even the uh, weakest one is um is a phantom blood that's the very first one and the thing with phantom blood is is that it's just kind of a dracula meets fist of the north star and jonathan isn't that interesting of a character but a lot of what makes jojo's great is in is found in um phantom blood you get the um the characters um strategizing comes to battles they're very uh, flamboyant. There's just this insanity to everything that, um, while it may, that in hindsight, it seems really, really toned down, actually. And that's kind of the fun to it. But again, um, so the series is uh, broken up into different parts. And so with each part focusing on a different gel star, it's. able to focus on different themes and basically just have a different um, story every time uh, even though it follows the uh, typical monster of the week format um, from parts three onward uh, every single part still has its own identity and you can easily distinguish um, each part from another none of them really blend together outside of just the typical monster of the week format but that's where I feel the uh, confidence of the story comes in. Uh, and when I say confidence, I mean that um, Hiroko Rocky is able to, um, while pay homages and, and even just kind of make his own version of well-known stories, like part one is a uh, Dracula meets Fist of the North Star, part six is like every single prison breakout movie ever with just world-ending consequences. Um, Part seven is Wacky Races with Jesus. Um, that sort of it's absurdity um, kind of leads the story, leads the narrative into being one of of having to take itself not so seriously as to where it kind of falls apart and it becomes too self-serious into the realm of parody, but it has a confidence. There's a confidence in the writing that leads you to just get absorbed in everything that's happening because it's so insane because it's just so audacious in every single aspect of it 
and that's something that I feel that it constantly gets that constantly I feel that's something that doesn't really get done in just narrative fiction too much like too often um think too often you can find a series being too obsessed with trying to be a very like self-serious story too obsessed with trying to be the next big thing or too obsessed with trying to be cool um to much to the detriment of its own series um take for example um psychopaths um, as much as I love Psychopaths, um, it's basically a story about, um, it's basically follows the lives of various, um, uh, quote unquote police officers that live in a world where their emotions are being monitored day, day to day. And if, um, your emotions, uh, reach a certain point, then you become a, uh, damn it. I forgot the, I forgot the word they use, but anyway, if you, um, but if your emotions get too much out of control, you can be sent for re-education or even just be labeled a threat to society. You have to ultimately be killed. And, um, part of, uh, and, and a minor issue I have with psychopaths is that, um, the series itself by production IG, it was even, um, it was even stated that it was trying to be another um, very, it was trying to be another um, very serious and very um, philosophical, like sto- philosophical story in the same vein as um, Ghost in the Shell, because a lot of, because some of the, um, because after, after Ghost in the Shell success, they wanted the next big thing instead of just trying to instead of just trying to kind of have its own identity it doesn't feel like it's it doesn't feel like it's um just taking from ghost in the show but there's instances where it just feels like it's trying too hard to kind of like beat you over the head and tell you hey like this is a very serious show we have a lot of philosophical references listen to my character talk about shakespeare and oedipus and and titus andronicus do you get it now do you get it it that's that's the issue <laughs> that I have with that's the issue that I have with it. Still a great series, but um, the point is that sometimes I feel that certain um, the certain narratives are just too content with trying to um, just just trying to press their agenda too much to make you realize what the show is trying to do, rather than just being content in what it is and just being able to just either have fun with it or just tell a very competent and just strong narrative um on the on the um topic of uh being confident in what the series is take uh part one again um again one of the weakest part labeled one of the weakest parts out of all of jojo's but where the um confidence in its um but where the confidence in the series is shown not just through Rocky's writing um it comes towards the end um it's a spoiler but at this point I feel at this point it's about it's at this point it's like labeling um Luke is uh, the twist that Darth Vader is Luke's father a huge spoiler when uh if you know any if you know the series you basically know this one by this point but at the end of uh, Phantom Blood, part one of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, Jonathan actually ends up dying. And what's so what's so insane about this is is you have to take into account the time that um, that Jojo's Bizarre Adventure was created. Um, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure um, 
first started publication in the 80s, in the 80s and Shonen Jump. And that was a time when, and that was a time when main characters, hell, even today, um, killing off the main character that you've spent episode one with, even as early, and taking them out as early as episode nine, just sounds insane. Like, it doesn't sound like something that could happen. Um, Attack on Titan did it, but even that kind of led to another plot twist that ultimately kind of just drove the series forward by and still kept Aaron as the main character. But with JoJo's, Jonathan was axed completely and he was never heard from again, except in a very weird and goof, except in a very weird and insane way, but it still wasn't Jonathan. And so that's, um, and just that rejection of convention is something that I feel that um, just exemplifies like Iraqi's confidence in his Iraqi's confidence in the narrative. He had a very specific plan to change uh, protagonists. So, and in that change of protagonists, it also gave gave the um, audience an idea of what Iraqi truly wanted to do with JoJo's bizarre adventure for each part and going forward and for that it definitely gives jojo's its own identity because even now with a more and more with a kind of anime as a whole kind of getting to almost um a rut and stagnating where we believe that the main character is the end-all be-all it's refreshing to see that um, a series is able to um circumvent just that specific genre convention um while I'm not saying every series needs to kill off its main character, but doing something like that is such a ballsy and just insane move that definitely speaks to Araki's faith in himself and just confidence in his in his narrative and his abilities. Um, even on the topic of um, narrative abilities, um, let's talk about my other favorite part of the series, and that's. Um, the stands from a uh, part three onward is where Iraqi definitely um, is where Iraqi introduce is where Iraqi introduced more likely the most recognizable aspect of the series and that was stands stands basically act as um, stands are the power systems of JoJo's and ultimately they act as a sort of rock paper scissors and they work in a rock paper scissors sort of fashion if you can do this. I can and if you can do this but I can do this and you counter me perfectly I have to figure out how can I defeat you with my very limited ability and that's explored in great ways throughout JoJo's numerous times characters have to overcome their shortcomings like with Star Platinum being a short range stand how is how is it going to defeat um how's it going to defeat something like um, the Darby Brothers, which is about gambling, and which is about gambling, and it leads to very interesting and fun, very interesting and, and fun uh, conflicts. So much that the battles in JoJo's are honestly a lot better than me than some of the more like typical um, shonen battle fairs, and with the stands as even though Iraqi um, didn't have them even though Iraqi didn't have them completely thought out in part three um, as you can see just from 
some of them being almost um, just, you know, generic powers like super speed, this one shoots things, uh, this one punches really hard, this one does fire, um, on, on and on, so on and so forth. Um, it's not until um, around, I'd say, uh, me personally, I'd say around um, the halfway point of Star's Crusaders when Star's Crusaders enter Egypt is when they start encountering um, more stands that become reflective of what Rocky really wants to do with the stand system. Um, amongst the fan base, um, it's usually labeled uh, that part four is where Rocky truly had the stands coming to their own uh, by making the stands even reflective of the character's personality and personalities and powers by making them more contextual and everything. But again for me part three then uh part three when they entered egypt is where you see like the gears turning with iraqi that this is kind of what he really wanted to do with them um just um just specifically with characters like uh the darby brothers or the alese and i cannot for the life of me remember it but the um but the stan uh bastet for example uh bastet it had no physical, it had zero physical, um, offensive physical capabilities, but what was special about the stand was that it was just, it, it was, it could disguise itself as a little electrical outlet. If you touch it, you become magnetized, and you progressively, um, the magnetism becomes stronger and stronger, drawing more and more magnetic things to you, to the point is where you're crushed under the weight of having you know, a million paper clips and oh look, a generator all in your fucking head. So with that it became a matter of how do you how how would someone be able to defeat how would someone like um, Joseph who can just um, use Herman Purple to for div- for divination and just as quote as whips, how exactly to be able to defeat somebody like that, especially when the standards themselves is um, somewhere far off and they can use this from anywhere. And that's the sort of encounters that JoJo's has constantly. Um, a lot of the stands do have like such um, contextual abilities that they're never just straight up battles to see which punching goes stronger. And I feel that definitely adds to the that definitely adds not that definitely adds to the sense of identity that JoJo's has because and because with that. It def it circumvents the um, long term power scaling issue that a lot of shonen that a lot of shonen anime have. Um, specifically, uh, take Dragon Ball Z or my favorite to hate Bleach. Um, with Dragon Ball Z, you can typically tell like um, the strength of Goku's Kamehameha because it just got bigger. And with uh, Bleach, Ichigo just does a Getsuga Tensho and an anime has like has like a different color or whatever but um but there becomes a point where you have to ask like um exactly how is this like truly helping um a friend of mine uh we talk about this a lot but um uh an issue that kind of presented itself with a not just bleach but dragon ball z as well was um the transformations the transformations in um dragon ball z while great, um, once you get past like once you get past the initial Super Saiyan transformation and two, and into three and say blue, um, similar to the Bankai, the transformations became 
what are they like what are these transformations doing besides just increasing the power increasing the characters like brute strength by a vague factor of of 10 or x or what have you and jojo circumvents that again because the stands are kind of are what they are while they can um, in certain cases get more powerful typically through um uh we'll just say plot for now um while stands typically can get more powerful um 95 of the time 95 percent of the time it's, it's not about how can you just use the same attack in a stronger way but how can you um, use your actual mind to mitigate your limitations and find a way around the characters and find a way around Stan's abilities. And that's what makes the Stan battle so enticing because they're never just going on until they have to just inevitably have some conclusion, but, but they give the audience a sense that, but they give the audience a sense that the stand battles follow the, the stand battles follow a degree of logic that even with a little bit of ingenuity and, and imagination that even you yourself if you had a stand ability or say Giorno's stand ability you could you could use those abilities to win the battle so it never so the battles every victory feels earned in that sense as opposed to just feeling like they just had to have a natural conclusion because they've gone through every single story beat of initial encounter of initial encounter they do a little tussle um oh i guess i'm not as strong as i thought i was but oh i have to do this for my friends and power up and win and that's definitely something that i really that's probably my biggest takeaway from jojo's every time i like with every battle it always seems so exciting to see how they uh, um get out of these situations um while we're talking about the stand abilities um, another very um, specific thing, while well, I talked about how sometimes um, things are just trying, um, sometimes uh, anime, anime or just narrative fiction in general is just trying to be cool. Um, think about the amount of times that you've seen basically someone with fire abilities, ice abilities, uh, water, thunder, what have you. And just how many times those are always just the standard, just they have to just have these because these are the easiest to do, as opposed to the um, creator coming up with a bit more like insane and probably just off kilter abilities. And that's something you see even without stands as early as um, Battle Tendency. The character Caesar, he manifested and uses Haman through bubbles. And while that sounds really stupid, the way he did it was always exciting. There's a there's a section where there's a um, fight scene where he actually uses his uh, bubbles to reflect to not refract reflect light and be able to um, to ref- to reflect light as a way to defeat a vampire character, and that was really cool. And it, it's something that could only have been done with that rather than oh, I just have ice powers let me just figure this out and while jojo's does still have those it's the fact that the stand abilities tend to be so off kilter and so contextual that you really start to like believe like buy into it after a while that something is insane is this that something is insane as the ability of bubbles is actually really cool because it is because that's what i mean when i say that jojo's has such a confidence in itself that it can even make one day 
like the most mundane powers seem amazing especially because the characters aren't overtly um supernatural for almost all for almost all intents and purposes the characters in jojo's are somewhat human outside of uh, just being stand users um with the exception of maybe uh dio the pillarman and some of the uh and some of the stands being automatic stands um, at the end of the day, the characters are human, so and so they're still just as vulnerable as a human would be, albeit they do have superpowered abilities that gives them advantage over normal humans. So, with that being said, um, <laughs> uh, it, it's just it's just so much fun to just see all these sort of things that just happen. Um, or on the and speaking of bubbles. Uh, Araki also has this thing where it's actually really fun to kind of go back through JoJo's and um, revisit some of his old concepts and ideas because he actually is one to recycle his ideas, but he doesn't recycle them in a way in just a blatant way. He ends up taking the, his ideas and recycling them in a brand new way. And so you're seeing um, things that he used before and use them in, in a whole new way. Um, like the concept of the Requiem stands, like a Requiem stands, even just how some characters act and behave, or just stand abilities in general. Um, one that sticks out to me a lot is that of a uh, Killer Queen's um, bomb abilities. While a Killer Queen can uh, create a bomb out of anything it touches, um, flash forward to part seven, there's a character named Oye Come Over with a uh, stand that has a name that I do not know how to pronounce, so I'm not gonna. Um, <laughs> uh, with a Oye Come Over stand, uh, it also creates bombs, but it creates uh, time bombs from almost anything that it touches. And there's little pins in them that can fall out if you um, release the thing, if you um, if you remove your hand from whatever became a bomb, or in, even scarily. If you're uh, sweating, the pins can come out because of the sweat that counts as pulling it out, and that leads to more, and and that leads to a brand new and exciting thing, and that's another, and that's really really cool, <laughs> and I just love that. Um, while the idea of while the idea of Iraqi can, um, while the idea of Iraqi like taking old ideas on paper sounds. Um, the bad word lazy while it sounds lazy or just um derivative what he's really doing is just taking these and using them in new ways ways that ways that the character ways that the audience hasn't seen before to create brand new situations um again uh take the situation from uh when bites the dust was created um while it came from the desperation of kira trying to protect his identity and the stand arrow entering him flat um, in part five, we have the concept of the stand being pierced a second time. We have the concept of the, um, you know, the concept of the stand being pierced by the stand era and what that means in creating a requiem stand. And that ultimately means the stand goes out of control and has some brand new ability that is all about um, the deepest desires of a character. And that is another fun and exciting thing. Um, it's just a testament to Iraqi's abilities. Um, while speaking about the concept of growth, um, on a meta level, um, growth, growth, experimentation, and uh, confidence are like the biggest themes of JoJo's. Um, Iraqi, 
like as, like if you follow that's basically why part skipping is dangerous because um <laughs> that's why part skipping is dangerous because from uh, parts one all the way up to the current part eight jojolian you see um rocky growing as a creator in just his um his draftsmanship his artwork his writing abilities like you see him doing brand new things each time from the lessons that he's learned as he's went through as he's gone through jojo's and written it for what 30 years now he's not just resting on his laurels and just recycling the same ideas over and over but rather he's doing brand new things each time and that's why jojo's bizarre adventure like means so much to me honestly because it's a series that um that because it's a series that as i like got into it and started like experiencing it more and more i really did like i really could see just the inner workings of it yeah well not see but you know i could understand it more it was just and it's a fun time honestly um and and it's just a series that i honestly want um i mean you may not you may or may not like it i've tried to put several people on it hasn't worked out too well but it's a fun series so i feel like anybody that has even a passing idea that has even a passing interest in it should definitely check it out and for um and just if you want to hear someone probably smarter and probably smarter than me and also with like better visualizations of these and for uh and if you're more of a visual person and i mean hell i don't know if you're listening to this or not but um i definitely think that um for added bonuses just check out youtube there's tons of creators that have like gone over like the appeal of jojos and have probably like said it in a much more coherent sense than i have of why it's so good but at the very least this is just why i enjoy it and so i really think that it would behoove uh, anyone um in the anime and just kind of in the lull if they're just you know waiting for the next big thing of the season or just kind of just laps with everything else so just kind of check it out like it's gonna be a fun series it's a fun series either way um but again uh if you ha- do have any interest in any creators too that are that if you do have any interest in, in creators that more than likely explain this better than i can um definitely check out um mother's basement and super eye patch wolf and uh i think even gig did a video on it and they're all fucking great but uh yeah that's kind of been my 10 cents about jojo's i really hope this hasn't been just a rambly mess but it's my show so fuck off i'll ramble if i want to anyway thank you so much for listening uh it's been fun and again happy birthday to my mom i don't know if she's gonna hear this or not but anyway uh yeah thanks for checking out crimson clouds again and i'll catch you later peace